Okay. That's awesome. Um, May 24th. I got the date right. And I'm pissed off again. <laughs> it's so weird how this happened again. Literally just laying on my couch right before my friend gets here. Because we always plan these around 3 o'clock. And I get this thought of wanting to look into something of a pastor and Justin Bieber and a song they did recently. And I don't even know why. Like, I Googled this and started looking at who Judas Smith was and went to his Instagram and I got all mad again. And I'm like, here we go. I'm going to blow someone up again. And I know that's what's about to happen. Uh, it's about to happen. People are like, this is the, the, the podcast of... And, you know, for some reason, this is, this is how God wants to do this. Like, when this first began, and it was obvious God was starting to expose leadership, you know, in this era, that I was always like, well, I know God's word and how he is when it comes to something like that and like people who take doctrine and call people false prophets and I was so raised around that that it's such a turnoff for me to do it from that place and so I always was like well God I knew God said he was the one that was going to expose it and so and I think these blatant ones that he's letting me use their name is because the blatant sin the church is accepting and I'm going to blow up why this is a blatant sin of a pastor to do this and what he's doing. And so and so here we have it. Didn't have to be an unfaithful thing. It didn't have to be something in the closet hidden. This is an ex- this is happening outside of the closet, but because the church has become so blind that this is not right, the church is accepting a full-blown outward like complete blaspheming the Holy Spirit by your ministry and making them famous. And it's just, I mean, if people could hear this through love and not like through judgment, like hear this through the love and the word of God, so we understand why this is not right and why am I allowed to nail it? And I'm going to explain it. I'm going to explain it. I don't know at what point because I know what the the, the podcast was today was still continuing on prophecy um, and coming at it in a different direction. And so knowing and understanding why all this sudden then God brought this into it because the timing is like stupid when this happens. And when I say I'm mad, it's like I'm mad in the Holy Spirit. Like when I feel angry about this, it's because I'm in leadership and I'm watching other leaders do things that are completely against the word of God and doing it for their own desire, their own attention, their own fame. And it's so secular and we're wrapping it up in scripture and it's just so disgusting. It's so disgusting. And God is clearly showing me a lot of people in this in Southern California because this is my hood. This is where I do ministry. And these are Southern California, um, well, not Carl Lentz and not Ravi Zacharias, but some of the ones that I just mentioned. I mean, I like Jack Hibbs and I was saying good things about Jack Hibbs. Um, but Judas, he's in LA, right? He's like local. Okay. And I've never followed the dude's ministry. I didn't, I've heard the name. I didn't even know what he looks like. I just knew I had seen him in model photos of Carl Wentz, how they like to model. This is like, it's so blasphemous. I don't have words. People that you follow, you have to see that this is not right. I mean, there's a photo of five well-known pastors from Justin Bieber's um, wedding posing like they're models, posting it. And using the fame of a kid 
whose life at, at that time was getting destroyed by famine. They're using it as they're ministering to him. And I feel sad for Justin Bieber. Like, I feel so sad for him. I'm like, you need leadership that's not going to use your fame and put you on display. Because if I was met him and was ministering to him, I promise in my ministry, no one would know about it. There would be no photos about it. I wouldn't interview him. I wouldn't get on his songs. I wouldn't need photos taken. Like, that's using and abusing the children of God. And like, and then you want to use it. Justin Bieber has gotten saved and it was you. Was it really you? Or did you get infiltrated by the devil through his fame and God saved him and you didn't? How about that? Where is the secrecy of the word of God? Where is I just, so now Carl Lentz used him to get to where he wanted to be. And it took him down by having an affair with a Muslim woman. And what did he tell that Muslim woman? People do know Carl Lentz was a pastor of Hillsong. He had an affair with, he, he used Justin Bieber to get well known, okay? He used him. And if you think accurate prophetic words were being given to Justin Bieber, I don't know how that friendship could have stayed that way in truth. The pastors, you're sugarcoating stuff. You're not, you're using this crap. You're like, and then you, then he has an affair with a Muslim woman and it tells the Muslim woman that what he does in real life is um, coaches and helps celebrities. Come on, this is so sick. And then we, we have Brian Houston, the leader of Hillsong, go on the Today Show and get interviewed. And I'm like, well, I wanted to cry that too. I'm going, what is the, I'm like, where's the conviction? And how did you not like how even he was kind of protecting him in in the in the in the interview? I'm like, where was any of the truth? And the the one who was anointed was probably this non-Christian interviewer. She had such good questions of why this. Do you think Jesus would be okay coming into this church? Do you think it got too famous? Do you think it blew up? And I'm sitting there going, this newswoman sees it. It's blaspheming, like, to everyone. Like, it's blaspheming God, and it's so sick. And to go and secularly talk about your church on the Today Show, you are not accountable to secular media pastors. You are not accountable to that. You are accountable to Jesus Christ. That is who you are accountable to. And this is just so mind-blowing. And I just, it's like, I just, God clearly so badly wants people to see this in truth and see that this isn't okay and now you have another pastor using him on his instagram he has interviews he's in one of his songs playing it as if what judah smith can i have an email with you conversation i'm trying to understand what you know about the bible i'm trying I don't, what did, what, 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 what seminary did you go to? The seminary of the devil? I'm so confused. You guys, people, this is blatantly against the word of God to do what is being done through his word. You don't use the world that way. We don't use the world that way. We change the world system. We do not engage in the culture like that. And to say that, that Brian Houston's response to what the church looks like, Hillsong, is moving in with culture. Oh my gosh, that's so deceptive. That's so deceptive. I'm pleased you don't have a leg to stand on with that, Pastor Houston. You don't, you don't. 
This is not the way it's done. It's not. It is not. So what, when Jesus shows up, is he going to show up like with a band and tattoos and maybe a tight white shirt and maybe some big glasses and a really fit haircut? Is it because he's fitting in? Oh my gosh, because if he did, I wouldn't recognize him. I'd be like, who's that bro him? Who's that douchebag? And yeah, oh, that's Jesus fitting into the culture. What the heck? Jesus would show up with blood and nail marks in his palms. Okay, that's how he would show up. And we are just so like, this is not, it's this, the church system has to change these ministries. It's so, it's not okay. So you have on his Instagram, him doing like an interview with Justin Bieber in their marriage and even his advice to them in saying sometimes a fight is like a good thing. I'm, uh, what? What? Because God's told me I'm going to have a marriage that doesn't have that because I have no idols in my heart and I go to God about everything. So there isn't going to be abusive words and there isn't going to be fighting like that. Maybe you need to understand that a little bit better and not have encouraged the way that they talked about how they sometimes talk to each other in their marriage. He didn't even reprimand. He goes, sometimes a good fight. You're so compromised. You're so compromised. Why? Because are you now getting more famous because of Justin Bieber and this kid's getting used? And he's he's probably, I mean, God, he's probably just like thinking maybe it's their pastors and they love God. They're, they're going to be in purity towards me. What I questioned uh, Judah Smith and Carl Lentz, did you hang out with also the drug addicts in your church like that? Did you? Are you saying you weren't doing something with special attention for yourselves? Because I'd like to know if you meet with the drug addict or the person in desperation in your congregation. Because what I heard about Carl Lentz is that he showed up to the green room right before he spoke and then left right after. He did not even just talk to people. And, and then Brian Houston, how he protected that. He said, well, you know, you have to protect your heart before you speak. Really, Brian? I don't. I don't. I can be hanging out with people, talking to people that come. And don't give me the crap. It's because the church is so big that you can't do that. We don't need to hide ourselves. Our hearts should always be prepared to release a word from God when you live within him. I'm questioning what you were living in then. You needed to protect to that level. This isn't right, people. This is not right. And so then on his Instagram, this is where I want to lose my freaking crap. Lose my crap. You have him playing a song of Justin Bieber, singing it in his car, being recorded. He has so many posts tagging Justin Bieber, pictures of him doing it, and then a flipping video where he says, I'm gonna teach something like 10 ways of how Jesus lived and how we lived, we lived like him. What? Oh my Lord. What are your stupid 10 ways? What are, I couldn't even listen to you because it's blasphemous. You are displaying them one of the ways in your life. So I, people, ah, ah, and it's almost like, because clearly I know I'm not talking to him. I would love to, I would love to talk to him. I actually have no problem if someone like this heard what I said, but you, could, because you can't argue me back. You don't have a leg to stand on. And I don't care about your position. I don't care how much attention you have versus mine. I do not care about that. So I would be willing to say this face to face if this got to him. Some reason God wants me to say it to the people so you get better discernment. 
So you check what you do in, in, these, in the people who think this is ministry. It's corrupting souls and hearts. It's corrupting. And we're, we're, it's just, I'm so disturbed by, by the level that God's exposing it to me and showing me how bad this actually is. I know he can't show me a lot of it at the same time because I like ball my eyes out. I ball my eyes out that this is what the church has done with Jesus' sacrifice. Like, I just, I don't have words and I'm so glad he's not showing me all of them at once. And it's like little pieces so that I'm not like so overwhelmed by this because it feels like David and Goliath, I'm coming against a giant that has taken so much land and I'm sitting here by myself trying to be like, no, like God, you are shifting this. You are changing this. You will get your way. You are going to get your will. This is going to happen. This is going to take place. And all it does is fire me up more for my stinking Bible school. That's all it does. It gets me more and more fired up. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just going to kill everything. Everything in ministry needs to change. All of this needs to change. We need to be retaught. I mean, do we need to, I think I need to take those stupid people. You need to go through my Bible school, dudes. Come visit. Maybe I'll teach you how to do things in the word of God. Blasphemous crap this has been allowed and the authority that has been over it, that is older and is allowing it. Oh my God, what seminary did you do? I mean, I just don't get it. And what Bible do you read? Like the famous thing, it's so stupid and crazy. I just, anyways, lose my poop, sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. This is God all over this. And people need to hear this. You need to hear it. And we, we got we to gotta change things. Things aren't, things aren't okay in, in the church world, in ministry, and what people are doing. It's just not okay. Well, okay. I don't know how I'm going to go from that into prophecy. Why did I have to go? Okay, well... God like really showed me something interesting and I actually studied and this funny thing is I used this book for the gifts of the spirit and never even saw this it's like God blocked me from seeing this I mean he took me to vines and giving that definition and then um, I mean he's just not letting me do a ton of studying and I think the reason for that is because I have a bookcase like a pastor would have like I have tons and tons of study stuff and I think that there's a part where that can be bad for a person if they don't get like revelation and feel God showing them something through scripture first and they just study, study, study. I think it can be cause oppression. Um, I think it can like block the mind. I think it, it then, or it grows pride. Like it does, you know, weird stuff like that. And talking to my friend who's here right now, like in secular, she has like a doctorate and she was a study, study, study girl to where it 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 was causing problems because of the of the obsessiveness of it and where it was almost causing like depression and so as for her to get like delivered of it you don't care i'm saying this right i'm no. sorry i didn't, I didn't think you did okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm not giving them the color of your underwear or anything <laughs> um that watching her get delivered of it and get better with it that she she doesn't she doesn't do it because when she starts to do it the studying she feels oppressed but she's been working and studying to to turn these teachings into a, a curriculum layout so that like when i have the school students will have what is it called a syllabus type of a thing okay and um and she's she gets that side of her out of out of her but it's creating joy for her like and it's the side that 
it's something with especially very intellectual minds, like rational minds, like people who are scientific. Like I was raised around that. My brother and my dad, that's a, that's a 100% their mind. Stuff has to be proven very factual and in depth to that type of a mind. And they like to study and do it. That's why those also types of people that go to reform churches is because they're like that. But it can be to a flaw because if that mind is too fed, without experience then it just it can cause issues and then you have someone who's like all emotional and all experience and the word studying just freaks them out and then they're all about experience and then there's no foundation of like that side and so you have to it's for me it's learning to do it through the spirit of god because i can get crazy but it's it's not like for me, it's not like the studying, just study, study, study for it. Like I study for a per, like I have a thing in my head that I'm doing. I'm not someone who just, and some of those people, they just study, study, study for more and more knowledge. And I don't do that like that. I do it with like subject, but I just know that God blocks me, especially the fact he's having me do this while I'm sick is a big thing of it because I can't do what I would do, but it's also because he wants me to release things through his word, through him, and then like prove it to me later and i think that we as people like we it's the the importance of knowing the word of god and having your own personal revelation over just power and experience but not to be so about the knowledge because it can it can like grow in you it can grow pride in you i believe religious spirits grow out of it i really i just believe a lot can come come through that if you're not having like the revelation and God speaking to you. And so watching someone like her, that he blocks her from being able to study for her like work and what she does, but she can, she can only do it to a certain level with what she's doing with my stuff. Like he's, I've even tried to give you some books and you're like, nope, that would make me go too far and get weird. <laughs> and we're trying to block her from getting weird on crap. <laughs> yeah, she's just so, she sits for hours on my curriculums and it makes her the happiest person ever. And that to me is a nightmare. That to me is a freaking nightmare. Like my, me working on curriculum isn't building it, like outlines and like how she does it. My Mine is completely a different way, the way I study and prepare things. And that to me, it's such a personality. And I think we, as people need to learn those sides of our personality, like the intellectual, the rational, the scientific, the, the more emotional that have, to, and it doesn't mean like the more emotional or stupid, it just, it's a different type of a mind. It's a different way that they're used, like in, in, in how God, because I almost have both sides of those. I was a hairstylist. Like I barely graduated high school. Like I did not, I mean, that's why it, to me, like that's what, what would be my bio, <laughs> the stupidest author ever. <laughs> That would be my bio. Barely graduated high school and somehow wrote five books. I don't know. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> that would be the real bio that's from Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. I didn't have that, like, that side that was fed by studying. My dad and my brother are like that. And yet then what God did is he put in me a desire to study in him and like understand the word of God. And so people who you have that side and it like totally freaks you out, you have to understand like pray. Pray about that because actually God will can shift that in you and give you the capacity and the desire, the desire to do it, um, and not necessarily the weirdo way of someone who becomes a doctor or like my brother who became a doctor does it. That's just way more like I don't know. It's just a much different type of a mind. Anyways, okay, getting on to my point. What am I? Twenty minutes and I've just cried and blabbed for nothing. Okay. Um, this is a book that 
became very interesting to me today. It's called Bible Doctrine Wayne Grudem, okay? Wayne Grudem, he is a Calvinist, so this is a Reformed dude that wrote it, but um, when I know, like, the background, because, like, a ton of my stuff is, has, is Reformed people, but... And I, so I read to watch the filter. Like, so I'm looking at it. So I would never, just because he's Calvinist, not take what he says on gifts of the spirit because he's not cessationist, okay? He believes in it. Usually as some of those, they there are literally some charismatic Calvinists, which is very shocking to me that there are, but there are ones that will op actually operate in the gifts in their church. I've never personally seen it, um, but my dad claims that and tells me that they are out there. And the main thing when someone's like Calvinist is you're just not going to see them make a big display of anything. Um, and I don't know, this is an older man. I have no idea if he's dead or alive. If you think he's still, no, he's alive. But I, anyways, I, so I read through, I read through it and checked the filter, meaning like I'm watching what he's going to say about the charismatics because then I don't receive it because I watch if he, if he puts it down, if he, um, if he comes in argumentative, like in the way that they, they write, then you can tell that there's such a filter on them that they are, it's religiously trying to combat heresy for them. If that makes sense, if people hear, hear what I'm saying. So before I'm ever gonna, like I was reading it and it just, he made such good points about the gift of prophecy. I was like, this is so good. I literally read this part of it which it's five or six or seven pages like five times because it was so in-depth and really hard for I, I just had to keep reading it because I'm like if I'm going to talk about this I need to to grasp like what he's saying and there is a part where he gets to the charismatic and the way he talked about the charismatic made me receive him he didn't he actually spoke about it in not a bad way and explained the ones in the charismatic movement who are um who are um he used he used a certain word like aware of what they're doing with the this gift they 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 won't say before a word thus saith the lord that's kind of like all he said he just said like they would remove that and the how he describes this this is so interesting this comes from another like to me this is taking more of an in-depth to this gift than um like vines did but it all kind of is aligning with the way that i was saying it it needs to be an apostolic call or um, a teaching thing uh, come out through your speaking and teaching and stuff like that and that we don't have new detailed prophecy and so i think this uh, predict pre predicting prophecy is kind of what i believe and i think that god is going to this level to prove more because i think what has happened with the prophetic gift is it's gotten so twisted with old testament new testament and then what we have in leadership displaying prophecy over the church and how they're proving it and stuff so i think that this is like when god has to like it's like rewiring type of a thing it's like something just went too far got off kilter and god's like rewinding it you know what i mean you know what i mean like reversing it backwards and i think for someone like me for him wanting me to understand this or be able to teach it is because in my bible school i know he's gonna i'm supposed to make sure that this is how this gift is displayed on the on the leadership and the ones who have who have it because this will help them purify them coming in and to really understand what they with what the gift is so i like this guy's stance 
I think it's very biblical. It makes perfect sense to me. And it does disrupt a few things. It does. It's going to disrupt predicting details of the future that is not in scripture. Okay. And one thing that I'm going to, that I'm going to say about that, the because there are ways of, pre, of prediction, saying something that God's doing that is scriptural. Like, okay. I've been saying that the church is going to kind of start shifting and dismantling and stuff like that. Now, did I sit and have Jesus visit me and say, Sarah, the church is, no, I could see through the spirit of God, what was beginning to happen, knew that wolves and sheep's clothing were going to be exposed. And that came out through one of my speaking. And that's already what Jesus said. This is not a new prediction, okay? This is, and it's a biblical thing that the Bible just needs to be back as the head of the head. God needs to be the head again of the church. It's not me going, and when then I say it, this is what I see is going to happen. That's Sarah's interpretation that could carry human error. Got it? Like, it's not me going, uh, in 2022, we're going to have an earthquake, and thus saith the Lord, that God told me that, and that's what's going to happen. And that is where we're having air. That's where we're having air. That's where that is was a office for the prophets of the Old Testament to do. And that was written down in scripture and became the Bible so it could carry no human air in, that, in those prophecies because it was the Spirit of God. And so how he explains, I'm going to read... It's interesting how I've been, I never read stuff um, until like recently these things, I've been reading things. That's not usually the way I do it. So this is going to be in his, you're going to, people, you're going to have to sit back and hear a few different things because it's a lot and I'm hopping through it. Um, and I'm not going to go into his, his introduction. Um, the only thing I'm going to say in his introduction, the first Thing, the topic says the New Testament counterparts to Old Testament prophets are New Testament apostles. Okay, so in this, he's introducing that Jesus begins to call now what, what would be prophets in the Old Testament are called apostles in the New Testament. Okay, this is how he's like introducing, meaning that um, where those people carried a divine authority. So the apostles in the New Testament carried the divine authority to write scripture. The prophets in the Old Testament carried that divine authority, which would be like the word of God. Okay. So, and then he says, um, you'd be surprised to find that Jesus calls prophets, a new term, apostles. That's the, the counterpart. Let me skip down. Um, He's just proving it more. When the apostles want to establish their unique authority, they never appeal to that title prophet, but rather themselves as apostles. He gives all the scriptures. And he explains that that reason, he believes, is because that word in, in, in the Greek or the meaning of it had so many different meanings. Like it could have been, it wasn't just a word from God. And so he's just saying that Jesus, you know, changes it. And he does say that there are the word does get used. It's not that Jesus never does, but he changed changes that authority of that position to the word apostle. So um, there, there's so much to this. Literally, I'm pulling out just a few things. The words prophet and prophecy were used of ordinary Christians who spoke not the absolute divine authority. He's talk, Now here he's talking about in the New Testament. He's saying that's what it, so they weren't like, he's, he's saying, first of all, apostle is going to be above it. 
those were the ones carrying the divine authority of the word of God coming through them. And then they were the ones also writing. That's why you don't actually have those prophetic books you have in the Old Testament. Because there's a certain fulfillment that happened with Jesus coming. And then you also had where the Spirit of God poured out on Pentecost to where every people begin to prophesy. He changed the office if we, if we see that. So God literally changed where it was very much specifically these certain people called to the nation of Israel. And you, and you do see um, random things with prophecy happening just like how um, Saul starts prophesying and his men start prophesying. So it's not like God still didn't do. I mean, God has is the fullness of his character, right? You're going to see signs of things in Old Testament and New Testament. We can't just divide it and say all of this is then, all of that is now. No, you still see signs of him in, in that sovereign act. But then the pouring out that took place on Pentecost, now this office changes. And you have that all, all these people can begin prophesying. And so he's, so he's talking about, so the words prophet and prophecy were used for ordinary Christians who spoke not with absolute divine authority, but simply to report something that God laid on their hearts and brought to their minds. And this, you know why I love this? Because it gives, it gives the ability for the church to have discernment on prophet, prophetic things people say and not it be called a false prophet. It's where you, it, it's less like thus saith the Lord. Like if someone's like, I feel this, I sense this and say something, you then can't be like, oh, you're now, no, because now this is giving the opportunity where the person can be in error with releasing what they're sensing. And that's why I'm like, this actually has a grace thing on it to, to fully understand this. So there, this is another part. Okay, he's, he's trying to explain how, how this office changed. He's just as in the Old Testament office of a priest had been restricted to very few people, but in the New Testament, all of God's people became priests, royal priesthood, and he gives scripture. So there is a change in the office of prophet as well. The gift of prophecy is widely distributed to God's people, but the authority of prophecy is a lesser authority, no longer the authority of God's very words. <laughs> That just gives like, it just gives where you then we can't, we should be going, thus saith the Lord, but we can say things, but then and say, we believe we see this coming, like God's doing this new thing. And it, I just, I read this. I was like, this is so good. And it's stinking biblical. He proves it so well. That's also what I look at. It has to resonate to my heart that this is God on it, first of all. And then it has to, the way he, he lays it out and then making sure he doesn't have a filter. Literally, that's my discernment in like putting together something like this, making sure he isn't coming at a place of wanting to cut people down. So this is another topic, he says. Indications that prophets did not speak with authority equal to the words of scripture. Now, he's referring again to the New Testament. Um, he's it, um, and that it became a lesser office. Okay, so he gives this. These are brilliant examples in Scripture. I had no idea these prophetic words were in it. This is so good, people. Acts twenty one four. Um, you read the disciple. A disciple says through the. This is what it says through the Spirit. They told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then he's going on. He says, this seems to be a reference to prophesy directly towards Paul, like telling Paul not to do something through the spirit of God. But Paul disobeyed it. He never would have done this if the prophecy contained God's very words and had authority equal to scripture. That's, isn't that amazing? 
isn't that amazing? This literally causes so much grace and understanding, like some of this stuff that it's, it's gotten off. And then he has another example. Then in Acts 21, um, it's another prophecy to, to, to Paul. And this, I think Agabus was a disciple or was going to be a disciple, maybe to take Judas's place, I think. But the other one, the other person that got, I think, okay, I'm, I'm not sure. Ag Agabus prophesied that the Jews at Jerusalem would bind Paul and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So this is another prophecy that was given to Paul. And the prediction was nearly correct, but not quite because the Romans, not the Jews, bound um, Paul. And the Jews, rather than delivering him voluntarily, tried to kill him and he had to be rescued by force. So the prediction wasn't completely inaccurate. It was a small detail. And so he gives what possibly could happen. He, he basically says, on the other hand, this could be explained that maybe Agabus had a vision of Paul as a prisoner in Rome, in, uh, of the Romans in Jerusalem, surrounded by an angry mob of Jews. So his own interpretation of such vision and, re and revelation would be that the Jews were the ones to do it. But instead, it was the Romans. Um, and that is how it, it is exactly the kind of fallible prophecy that would fit in the definition of the New Testament congregational prophecy proposed above. <laughs> and that, like, he, he's basically saying, like, um giving congregational prophecy, meaning all more people getting this gift. It, it, it would be get, making, like proving, um, proving uh, that that's, that's what it's become. And then he's reporting in, okay, let me read that line again so you hear it clearly, because sometimes that can be. This is exactly the kind of fallible prophecy that would fit the definition of New Testament congregational prophecy proposed above. Reporting in one's own words, something that God has sp spontaneously brought to the mind. <laughs> so he's literally saying the human error, because it's not a divine authority, of it being the word of God because the divine authority of the word of God has been written out already for us. <laughs> because that divine authority was on the apostles who also carried the gift of prophecy. This is good. How interesting is this, people? Are you not interest, interested by it? I'm like, this is blow, blows me away. I'm like, I have never heard prophecy explained like this. It's so good. Um, and then he further explains it, why, how this can be proven. He talks about Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. Paul is saying this. Do not despise prophesying, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Here's the thing. Paul would have never said that to Isaiah prophesying something to someone. He's not going to tell. He's not going to tell Israel to test what Isaiah said in that office that those prophets had in this office now in scripture it's talked about it's testing it what is good what is right because so many more people now have, are carrying this thing um okay yeah he implies that prophecies can contain some things that are good some things that are not good when he encourages them to hold fast to what is good that's what he he's saying to it um now he proves it again in 1 Corinthians 14, 29 to 38. This is another thing Paul wrote. Let two or three people, pro three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. 
<laughs> so he's literally saying, listen carefully, sift what is good and bad, accept certain things, reject others. There is no way this would ever be said to anything in the Old Testament that is being prophesied, okay? This is so dang good. That's why I had to read it so many times because there's so there's a lot I'm skipping through. I literally just pulled out things that I wanted to use to prove this point. Um, then any other prophet at Corinth, if one thinks he is a prophet. Or... Okay. So this is, he's talking about 1 Corinthians, I guess something in verse 37 and 38. Um, you know what? I'm going to read, I'm going to read a, a thing before it that I didn't underline. Paul indicates that no one in Corinth, a church that had much had that had much prophecy was able to speak God's very words. He says in first Corinthians 14 36, what did you, what did the word of God come forth from you? And you are the only one it has reached. Paul clearly implies that no word of God had come forth from all the prophets in Corinth. Then in verse 37, 38, Paul claims authority far greater than any prophet at Corinth. If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge what I am writing to you and is the command of the word. Lord, if, any, if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. All these passages indicate the common idea that the prophets spoke words of the Lord. When the apostles were not present in the early church is, sim is simply incorrect. Um, Meaning, like, if the apostles weren't present, that in, then it was incorrect that that, that those were a hundred percent words from the Lord, because the apostle is that that office is the only is the one above that is to fulfill that in in the New Testament people. So we can't take that now the office of who thinks they're apostles now are able to write a new book of the Bible. Because they've all been written by those apostles. So our role, if we're called and anointed and gifted with these, these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, they are going to be wrapped within the role that was already released and written out for us. Okay? <laughs> that's good. That's why I'd be really scared when you name yourself apostle something. And we're going to say that's because Apostle Paul did it. Nope, <laughs> nope, uh -uh. nope, nope. No. Not a good reason. Not a good reason. Um... Now, of course, it's a like an apostolic call. I know I have an apostolic. I know, and that's that is something. But I am not Apostle Sarah. I'm not writing a new book of the Bible. I'm not doing that. I am taking just the Word of God and using it to prove His voice has already been said and has already done this. And so now we need to follow it in accuracy. Okay. Now his next point: How should we speak about the authority of prophecy today? This is where he talks about saying, thus saith the Lord. So he says, most Pentecostal and charismatic leaders would agree that contemporary prophecy is not equal to scripture and authority, but it must be said that in actual practice, must, much confusion results from the habit of prefacing prophecies with the common Old Testament phrase, thus says the Lord. A phrase nowhere spoken in New Testament by prophets in the New, New Testament churches. <laughs> oh, crap. 
he only had one example of it and he explains it later with the original language what was actually being said he, there was only one um most this is what he said most responsible he's just saying he's not putting down charismatics he said that they're responsible most responsible charismatic spokesmen would not want to claim it for every part of their prophecies anyway so there would be much gain and no loss if that introductory phrase were dropped <laughs> now he's basically saying the responsible who understand this 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 in scripture is not going to say god just said this through me and give a, a new prophecy that's basically what he's saying he's basically that's what he's saying because it's not it's not biblical okay and then he talks about how agabus used that similar phrase and he explains it and then um and he, he goes on further. He goes, I think the Lord, okay, he gives examples of how someone can say it. I think the Lord is putting something on my mind. It seems to me that Lord is showing, is showing us or some similar expression. Of course, that does not sound as for, forceful as thus saith the Lord, but if the message is really from God, the Holy Spirit will cause it to speak with greater power in the hearts of those who need to hear it. <laughs> because it's going to have a sign come from it. There's going to be a sign. And he gives an example of a charismatic Baptist guy in the middle of his preaching, gets a word about somebody in the audience who had just walked away from his wife. And he says, God is saying, you need to go home and come back to your wife. And he's, and he's saying that came on him in the middle of his, spe his speaking because he goes into teaching in this and he, he wants to make a big difference on teaching and the prophetic. And I think when it comes to where I was like, you pro you can prophesy through your teaching. He he does he does give that, but he puts it as the Holy Spirit comes on you and something and if something hits you, that's all my speaking. So that that's all my speaking. I don't. Do you know how much stuff I don't know is coming out of me? And I say it, and I'm like, whoa, ooh, <laughs> like, and it's like biblical, and it's like that's like so that's where I I'm like that's where I believe the prophetic comes into a teaching gift in order that it's just the word of God releasing it, its own word that has already been proven. It's not a new thing of, of, of it. And I think that's more of a word of knowledge, the example he gave of that guy. I don't see that as, um, but I get, he doesn't even address word, a word of knowledge and word of wisdom in this book, but that to me was more an instant word of, of knowledge of something that, that the pastor got. And I've always said you could always encompass those in a very similar thing when you place prophecy, because really it's just the spirit of God sovereignly moving, giving you something. <clears throat> um. Says so, so prophecy is less authority than teaching, and prophecies in the church are always to be subject to the authoritative teaching of Scripture. Okay. And then he talks about prepared teachings can be interrupted. The Bible teacher suddenly feels God brings something to mind. Um, and that was all the points that um I decided I want to take out of it. It's so, it's such a good, I love this book now. I'm like, well, I wanted to really figure out his filter. So I went and read what he says about the gift of tongues. And then his, uh, the filter came out a little bit. It's not that he was against it. He, he actually was not. Um, but it was the way he talked about charismatic, charismatic churches and um, stuff kind of getting like crazy. And that, and they're used the fact of how like tongues is explained a certain way and how that's not. And I was actually thinking about this because, because coming from so, so, so conservative to then crazy power hits of a Bible school and then having a ministry that starts ha having it and starting a church that was l like that, 
one thing that I believe and think with the with the charismatic stuff of always that we always allow God to be in control, right? But I think why that has kind of been twisted a little bit is that we think that God in the middle of anointing a prophetic teacher who's speaking through his word to convict hearts would also then slam someone in the audience to drop to the ground laughing. That's a contradiction of his character. And I think that's what the church is allowing to happen in thinking that we're just free and God's moving and he does it this way when actually if you, if you, if a teacher puts this together, really think through that, then you're kind of being like, then your message is losing its bulk and it's almost would blaspheme you. Why are you speaking through his, if God's moving on, on the room like that? So you, so those these people that if you're allowing, if that's how you, we speak or we're in churches that do that, if the leader isn't gonna, if believes that's the Holy Spirit, you stop and move on in that in that time. If the leader is walking in all authority, truth, and like purity, prophetically teaching, it's gonna paralyze the room through the Spirit of God. It's going to paralyze it. I have never had during my teachings a manifestation of the Holy Spirit hit people. Like the only thing I've had, like even Jamie, Jamie, my friend, one of the biggest manifestors there is, well, not besides me. I, I'm, I'm the top of the top dog. The only one manifesting in my teachings is me, actually. Oh, I just realized that. <laughs> and you go, well, isn't that blaspheming? No, because I still have accurate words coming out and God use it to... Um, he uses it to break the mind. What would happen if someone in the audience did it? Everyone would stare at that person in the audience. What God does is make everyone stare at me while I speak. <laughs> so he does it together. And I think that's what we're missing. Like he does it together. Like and it's not a separated. And it doesn't mean that someone wouldn't just get hit by the Holy Spirit. And like a deliverance might happen. Or maybe they they shake or that no that that's fine that happens because god does things and he he does it but mainly honestly he does it when i pray when i'm in prayer then people start to it, then people might start shaking get hit stuff like that starts happening but when i'm speaking i see the room get paralyzed and i can tell like i i can just tell like the uh, jamie who she does it i mean she did it for during the whole guy's teaching thing she did she totally gets like manifest and does stuff like that but um she gets shut down when i speak yeah she does she doesn't sure her head won't even i mean it okay i have seen a couple things on my videos of people that were in the audience when i was speaking and i would see them kind of move like like get like kind of like that but it's not a huge distracting the other people in the room a big laid out thing like there's a paralyzing to the spirit of god through through that and so i think that that type of not realizing that okay yes god is sovereign we want him to move but as the leader we need to navigate then what that looks like like what are we moving in on because that's never happened to me in my speaking that all of a sudden a big layout distraction happened if that happened god would shut my mouth and go i'm moving on this that's what he would do. Like he takes over all of it. And so I think understanding like the difference in like, okay, yeah, we we're open. We want the Holy Spirit come and move, but the leader then should be navigating it with an authority all over it. And here's an interesting thing. And I'm sure she's going to be fine with me like saying this, I think. I've asked her if I could talk about her ministry already, but this wasn't going to, this wasn't going to be it. 
my friend that I was talking about, and she listens to these, you're going to just hear yourself talk about Jamie, I love you. <laughs> um, and she, during this guy's teaching on, on the spirit of Jezebel, she was like whipping, getting her head whipping like the whole time. And when she told me that, I was like, something's not right about that, Jamie. I think something, I think that was a spirit. I was like, because that, it doesn't seem right during, and I think that that teacher he gets fed by he gets fed by manifestations and because he like guess I know he does because of what he did to me when I showed up and that's why I wouldn't go back but he he likes the power hit and he and I think it makes him feel like ooh I'm like really I'm really freaking anointed and look at this she's getting and I think because he was fed by that it 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 access something to cause a distraction then in his message because me and her prayed into and it was a spirit and it came off of her and she like shut down. She stopped manifesting as church anymore. She he she would say he'd come up to her and she stopped doing it because it was feeding him. And so it opened up to like a demonic spirit. <laughs> but in and it also had to do with something with with her that we need to pray through. And it wasn't like a big thing, but it just has to when we have like certain you know idolatries towards what a manifestation is that people and people have never even heard this like these are charismatic like things charismatics know exactly what i'm talking about they get weird of what power looks like on people like i've said before it open it can open up to stuff um and so there's a thing that when it comes to the just the purified um the purified thing that needs to be in this stuff needs to carry wisdom it needs to carry a, a high authority of your leadership that has discernment on on that stuff. That you, it's good to be open to the to the to the move and how God wants to move. But man, the chaotic stuff that's happening when someone's teaching that just doesn't make sense. And oh my gosh, I have another story. So Ray was speaking and doing, um, speaking at something. And this was not an open Holy Spirit hit event. We were not doing prayer. It was purely teaching. And and this is what really bothered me so much. My brother and his wife were there. And I, and of course, I would invite someone like that, my my like someone like my brother to Ray because Ray's so intellectual and could totally reach my brother. Like I'm I would be a prophet rejected by their own town. <laughs> like even if I can teach accurately, like there's still a thing that I was a crackhead to my family, you know? Like there's still there's still that that I, I understand that the ministry needs to come from somebody like that. And so they were in it and he and and uh here you have the guy who who had the false prophet witchcraft spirits on him that would that would prophesy to younger guys to get in that I've been I talked about was the spirit of Jezebel and I called him out for all the stuff and I said he falsely manifested the Holy Spirit he did all this weird stuff well he was sitting in the middle of the room literally not even facing Ray sitting on this couch facing on the side looking at the audience in a really so really in the middle of the flipping room okay and manifested the entire teaching of Ray the entire teaching right next to my brother literally do you, I was like wanted to die I'm like for someone like my uh, my brother and his wife I was like I I mean that I just know <laughs> I was like it was I was embarrassed I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna like he I mean like this is he looked so stupid to sit there and he's trembling and shaking and wobbling and my brother imitated him afterwards and he goes and then he'd wobble and just get on his phone that made a lot of sense and I was like I know I'm sorry it was really weird and he didn't in that situation do not be so stupid that you think you're under the Holy Spirit's power and you're okay to have distract an entire room from a teacher and not remove yourself. 
What are we thinking as people in, in the congregation that do that? We aren't having wisdom. We are loving the thought that we're getting so hit. And a lot of those people like the attention of it. He liked the attention to sit in the middle of the room during Ray giving a very, like, just normal teaching, no one else doing it. And so many people were looking to their right to stare at him, what he was doing. And I got so frustrated. I just went to the bathroom and I was like, God, how, and just God said, I'm making you, you, you not try to control. Like, I'm letting you sit with that. And you leave it alone and you leave alone. And I did. I was like, I was like, fine. It gave me a great freaking example because I had one time Scott was speaking and he said, when next this coming year, power is going to increase. He said that and I got slammed and I go, whoa, and I start doing all this crazy stuff. And I tried to stop. I tried to first stop myself. I grabbed my head and I got up and I bolted. <laughs> I, I jumped out of the room because I didn't, was not going to allow what me getting hit by the Holy Spirit to distract his message. And I, and I, it, I only got hit for a second, but everybody starts laughing because people are just used to me. And it was just God going, yep, see, watch power is going to hit. It wasn't a long thing, but I was like, I just, I wanted him to be able to keep teaching. And so I literally jumped up. And I went out of the room until I felt like normal and fine. And then I came back and sat down. And that is me protecting an environment. It's me looking at the other people, not at myself. And you have that idiot man acting like he's manifesting and shaking like that through his entire teaching, making people like totally, it's, it was like not a defamation, it's like blasphemous. Like it was almost like the guy, what's on him was like trying to blaspheme my ministry to my brother or like, like not blaspheme my ministry, blaspheme like Ray's message to not get received. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you're so distracted and then it looks flaky and like the flakiness of it. And you know, and it's not like they were, my, my brother and his wife, they were watching everybody get laid out. It's not like they, I mean, he knew what he was in for. He knows what I look like. Like, it's not like that was a big shocker. Like, no, he, he was fine in handling that. It was just watching that distraction while he was trying to hear a teaching and all those people were trying to hear a teaching. Like, it's just, I just, people, the wisdom of understanding and that, because that, that, first of all, that was not the Holy Spirit on the dude. It was not the Holy Spirit on him. And that's what he would do. Freaking demons probably sat there and shook him like that. I mean, he was so full of such crazy stuff. So, um, uh, all right. I don't, I wonder if I'm going to end up going at a, at a different angle with prophecy on the next, the next one on Wednesday or, or what's, what, what is going to, um, come of it. But I, I think that's good. I'm at an, I'm at an hour, um. And I nailed another person <laughs> getting so much done <laughs> and did more on this. But um, all right, Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that the shift of these gifts, God, that's taking place, the shift in the exposure um, beginning to break down structures of, of these churches, of these these famous things, this 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 deception that we've been under, that we've accepted. Um, 
God, I just, I thank you just the, the, the shift that you're going to do and that you're going to get your, your children back. You're going to get your bride back. You're going to get leaders who are so in love with you, God, that they're not in love with themselves. They're just so purely in love with you, God, that those leaders would, would begin to rise up, God. I pray that they would come out of the woodworks, um, the ones that have been hidden, the ones that have, have been in fires, have been ministering to you alone and not for themselves. God, that those people, that they, they would begin to... Um, flush out of their hiding, flush out of, of the hiddenness that you've hid them in and surrounded them in and, and cloaked them in your presence so that they can come forward, Father, and, and change the grain of, of what's happening today, Father. And that eyes would just continue to get open in the name of Jesus to see things in truth, to see you your word in truth, Father. Um, and uh, I feel that that's done. That's good. No, no weird prophecies. That's that's good. That's a good sign. Um, and uh, alrighty, I'm done in Jesus' name. Goodbye.